This episode of the Artsy Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Artists, photographers, and designers of all kinds have used Squarespace to showcase their works, and you can do it too. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch your site and show your work to the world, use the offer code ARTSY to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's offer code ARTSY, A-R-T-S-Y. Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan. Earlier this month, the official portraits of former U.S. President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama were presented at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. Barack was painted by artist Kehinde Wiley and Michelle by artist Amy Sherald. Uh, I think it's fair to say that these are two of the most widely discussed works in contemporary art in recent years. Uh, I know we're a few weeks out from the actual unveiling. But now that the, the time for hot takes is over, I have with me two excellent guests who can help us kind of parse the works, parse their meaning, and, and kind of where they fit into art historical canon and, and just history. Um, so joining me is Eugenie Tsai, a senior curator of contemporary art at the Brooklyn Museum. Hi, Isaac. Hello. And Antoine Sargent, who uh, is miraculously just arrived from Marrakesh yesterday and somehow uh, here with us, not too jet lagged. He is a writer for Artsy, and he also covered the presidential portrait unveiling for W Magazine. Hi, Isaac. How are you? Good. I'm doing all right. Um, so, Antoine, you were there. Tell us a little bit about the mood and feeling in, in the room. Set the scene. Well, I mean, I thought it was just, first off, kind of extraordinary to be in, you know, kind of a national portrait gallery among not only Obama's and Kehinde and Amy, but also kind of a little Hollywood celebrity with Shonda Rhimes and Tom Hanks and his wife and Steven Spielberg, but then also um, civic leaders like Eric Holder and Valerie Jarrett and so some of the Obama old kind of staff. And so it was kind of really interesting to see people that you often only see on TV in person, but it was kind of in a dramatic unveiling of art um, and you know kind of in the room it got really silent right before the unveilings and there were like audible gasp yeah so you you mentioned that moment when the curtain came down i mean i'm interested to get both of your your first thoughts when you saw these these works i mean what was your gut reaction for both of them i had very different reactions one kehinde has painted in a particular way throughout his career and so i was like okay i know that there, I, I was almost kind of expecting kind of what I saw um, in a way with Kehinde, but with um, Amy's work, I was a little shocked by the fact that she was gray. I think like everyone has been kind of commenting on that, not because that's not representative of Amy's career, just because when you're thinking about a history painting, you're th- at least I was thinking, okay, maybe she will, you know, kind of in some way paint her as a black woman because she's a black woman. It's a historic moment and, you know, and kind of all those things. And then I was kind of really excited that 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 Amy was allowed to do what she does um, as an artist and that um, the First Lady had that type of commitment, A, to art, but then B, to Amy and her career and um, her process. Yeah, Eugenie, you curated Kehinde's exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum. So I'm particularly curious to get your take on how his portrait of Obama fits into to his output, but also, you know, just, just your thoughts on the work itself. Well, of course, everyone said, do you think he's going to paint Obama on a horse or on a throne? <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's anyone's guess. So I was actually a little reassured to see that he took a different 
attack and that he showed Obama as uh, not an imperial leader, but really more of a a man of the people, someone who was seated, someone who was on the level of the public and totally in keeping with his belief in democracy as something from the bottom up, not from the top down. Of course, I was really taken by the lushness of the background, which is so characteristic of Kehinde. And I think it's the first time he's actually painted flowers with symbolic meaning. Oftentimes it's, you know, taken from fabric or from wallpaper. But I did like the way the contrast between the contemporary figure and then this scene of nature, which is timeless and cosmic and not of this world. So there's kind of, you know, different senses of time, this sense of a presidency, two terms, and then this sort of set against the cycles of nature and infinity. Yeah, the the floral backdrop is really significant for so many reasons. As you kind of alluded to, the flowers have a symbolic significance. Various species of flowers call out to, to Obama's history. You know, Chicago, they're associated with Chicago, Hawaii, and even his, his late Kenyan, Kenyan father. Right. But I was also there at the unveiling, and, and Kende sort of interestingly talked about how the backdrop is kind of at moments subsuming the presidential figure, and it's this it's this tension which I think is present throughout the entire Obama presidency of, of the individual, the man, and the symbol, and also the kind of real history, the story behind behind the presidency. Well, I think that's reading a little bit too much into it, because <laughs> if you actually look at Kehinde's other work, especially early work where he has a lot of standing male figures set against highly decorative backgrounds, you'll notice the ambiguity of the figure in space and the way that the background creeps into the foreground, and you can't really distinguish the figure from the ground in certain places. So the figure seems to be hovering rather ambiguously in this And it's one of the things I've always admired about his work because it does, I mean, it lets you know this is not reality. This is a constructed work of art. It's a piece of fiction. But on the other hand, perhaps that's appropriate also for a presidency in that you're constructing a vision of a presidency. What was kind of interesting about the background and the conversation I had with Kende after the unveiling about his use of this kind of floral, cosmic background was that he also meant it as a comment on kind of the way that we ha- we understood and understand um, before the unveiling of this uh, portrait, the history of portraiture as being something uh, dominated by primarily white men, right? And so for him, it was about kind of the stripping away of power in a lot of ways, um, which is consistent with his earlier work. But for him, he was like, I could not paint you know, this president in a way that was kind of traditional or in a way that calls to, um, say, Lincoln's portrait that's in the portrait gallery because he is unlike those men for reasons of race, but also any other number of reasons. And so it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about how it was a comment on the history of art, but also the history of America and how this, he kept using the word irrational. This is an irrational image um, which I think also aligns with, with what Eugenie was saying around this is a thick, you know, construction because up until this moment, you know, in 2008 when he became president, this wasn't a reality we ever thought was possible, you know, thinking about even the conversations that we're having as a country around is this possible? Is he black enough? Is he, you know, will he be assassinated? All these real conversations we're having 
until the moment he won and he became president, he walked on stage from Millennium Park in Chicago, it became a reality. And so he meant this image to be an irrational image because he wanted to reflect back the time in which President Obama became president and where our nation kind of was. So, yeah, thinking a little bit, thinking back a little bit on the Obama presidency, I mean, I think, how would you sort of say that these portraits and the choice of these portrait artists sort of fits into um, that that legacy and, and the, the tenure, uh, their tenure in the White House, because you know they they were known for bringing in abstract artists, artists of color in, into the to the White House for the first time. Um, so in some ways, Eugenie, we were sort of talking about this yesterday. These are sort of remarkable choices, but also in line with with the Obamas. Totally in line because they are cultured and sophisticated people, but they also are very savvy in conveying that to the public. Um, And not in a kind of cheesy social media way, although they do use social media extremely well, but through their choice of, well, especially Michelle Obama's support of American fashion designers, as you mentioned, the choice of artists they had in the White House, Alma Thomas, Ed Ruscha, Glenn Ligon. I mean, they were really sophisticated, con- and I, want, I don't want to use the word consumer, they, they are just so smart and knowledgeable about high culture, popular culture, and all of the signifiers of both. Particularly the ways in which, and Amy spoke about this, but the ways in which Michelle's dress call out to some of the art historical history, kind of recent contemporary history that she kind of draws on. So she talked about Piet Mondrian, and then she also talked about the, there's a collective of uh, women. Oh, uh, Band. G- yeah, G's quilt. Band quilt uh, makers in Alabama um, that she also said where she was inspired by. But then you also have to think about kind of, you know, the history of, you know, portraiture, recent portraiture. You know, you have to think about, you know, you can't look at this uh, Amy's picture and not think about Barclay Hendricks, right, for example and other artists who are making in that way. And so I think that to have these two, I think Eugenia is absolutely right. They're absolutely culture. They're absolutely, you know, kind of amazing at telegraphing that. Um, But they also are really great, maybe perhaps because, you know, he's a politician after all, but really great at using the moment to signify other things, right? In kind of the culture, in art, in who they are. And I think even more kind of so than that, the kind of society they want to live in, right? And so they've both talked a lot about the type of people that they wanted to be conveyed as, right? Um, Obama talked a lot about the ways in which Kehinde has, the, the, the type of people Kehinde have um, painted and how he wanted to be among those people, right? And so, like, the choices, as, you know, sophisticated as they are, they were also super political, right? And fit into a type of portrait that these two artists has made and will make right in the future right and so these I think the, what's interesting is like these portraits become a part of the body bodies of work they become part of the artist's bodies of work and and I was saying instantly canonical works of exactly. art yep because they're such great artists mm-hmm. to begin with and they're beautiful portraits and then they are also presidential portraits or political portraits Uh, in a way that are about myth-making and image-making for posterity. Uh, And I think one of the things about them is everyone will bring something different to these portraits. They are so provocative. And if you looked at the lineup, I think, uh, you know, people would post 
you know, all of the presidential portraits were predominantly kind of tan and gray. And and then suddenly, you know, Obama's popped up and you're like, wow, that really made you pause. And, you know, you can see that happening over and over again in the future when people do this. Speaking of canonical works of art, um, I was just at the Palace of Tokyo and Neil Balufa incorporated both of these images into an exhibition he has there. There's a painting of Winston Churchill, that he kind of made a thinking kind of bubble (laughs) around his head um, and placed these two works in that thought bubble, like making this kind of joke about, you know, perhaps he'd rather be Michelle and Barack Obama, right? (laughs) Um, And not the type of leader he was, or you know, and so this kind of really interesting play on these works will be discussed. They will, you know, be used and they will inspire, you know, other artwork, right? In the way that canonical, iconic works of art have done and will do. Yeah, Eugenie, I just want to pop back to something you said, because it, it, it's so interesting. I've every, I think most people will probably have seen that image of all of the presidential portraits, uh, just this sea of white faces it conveyed very sort of classically, basically, you know, people leaning on banisters or sitting on couches, you know, and then these two portraits of the Obamas totally disrupting that. But it's interesting because our producer, Abby, was telling me yesterday that she saw that image shared once by a friend who was like, this is amazing, this is so cool, and then once by an extremely conservative history teacher who was like, this is not presidential, you know, like, this is this is totally out of order. So it's interesting the degree to which um, these images are creating such very polarized reactions that are sort of following the general trajectory of politics in this country at this moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as I said, people are going to bring whatever, you know, their baggage to look at these portraits. But they're definitely going to generate discussion, which is maybe one of the most important things they could do. I wanted to address the presidential comment, because I think it's important in this context to think about what was presidential before the Obamas and, you know, and, and, and what wasn't, you know, um, racially, culturally, you know, in all kind of facets of how we define presidential, right? And then there's also this idea that the National Portrait Gallery official portraits are the same as the portraits that the White White House House will commission. They're not, right? And so there are two for the Portrait Gallery, and then there are two for the White House. I imagine the White House portraits will be in line with what we traditionally think as presidential. National Portrait Gallery is an art museum. And you walk through the National Portrait Gallery and you see a Kennedy by Elaine uh, de Kooning. Elaine de Kooning. There's abstraction involved and there, you know, and then also it pops, it's green. Then you see a Oh, there's a Chuck Close. There's a Chuck Close. Um, President Clinton. President Clinton and his that traditional style. And then you also have a Rose a Franklin Roosevelt where his hands and like his hand there's like multiple multiples of his hands and his like arms they really run the gamut of representation and they fit in line with i also spoke to a director of the museum and these particular portraits fit in line with the ideas around the national portrait gallery being a living museum space right um and they wanted Um, from what I gathered from the director, they wanted portraits that were very much a part of contemporary art, you know, discussion, ideas around representation, identity. They wanted, you know, current works that really fit in, not just in kind of the scope of history, but in the scope of art. 
Yeah, and one of the one of the points of discussion, I think, Antoine, you mentioned this very early on in the conversation, was Cheryl's portrait of Michelle Obama not being realistic in terms of I think there's, you know, the skin color is the is the grayscale. The grayscale uh skin color is the most uh evident part of that. And I'm just curious, you know, what what do you kind of think about that? And I think it kind of raises these questions around portraiture versus likeness. You know, what ha, can you maybe just talk about why Cheryl paints uh, people in grayscale? Yeah. Amy uses grayscale. Um, it's tied to actually photography. She would look at old photographs of her grandmother. So she couldn't, she, she couldn't see herself represented in a history of art. And the only way where she did see herself represented was in these old photographs of her grandmother. And she said she would sit, it became kind of a practice for her to sit on Sundays and look through the photo album of her grandmother. The grayscale of the skin working with the kind of flat backdrop um, really makes you focused on the image, right, that you're that you're kind of confronted with, right? And so there's this huge debate online around why she was painted gray and why not black and why and what does that mean? And and one of the things that Amy is kind of deeply interested in is what she called archetypes, right? Um, that, you know, icons, right? Women and boys and and uh, men that she kind of finds and sees on the street in much in a way that um, oh, Kehinde does. does. And she's looking to kind of have someone stand in for many others, right? And so one of the things I was I was really confused about in the debate that followed the work was this idea that somehow the grayscale did not render her black, right? And I think to the contrary, it makes you do that work yourself, right? In that idea that what's washed away is kind of, in both paintings, in a way, is all the things that in reality that, you know, kind of mitigates blackness um, in a lot of ways. And so whether that's a cityscape, whether that is the trappings of the White House, whether that is the environments in which, you know, we stereotype blackness, all that stuff is is washed away in these paintings, at least in my mind. Hmm. I kept thinking, well, if you ask Amy Sherald to paint your portrait, a portrait, you're going to get this por- yeah. gray skin. <laughs> yeah. But I also thought that it does, I was interested in hearing what you say, because I do think it kind of evokes the photographic origins of the image, and also her fascination with photography in the past and memory, and a kind of personal and collective memory. And of course, I think it's interesting that both artists utilize photography in creating their works, as, as many portrait painters do. But as I said to Isaac yesterday, a likeness is not a portrait. And I think Cheryl's painting of Michelle Obama is so much a portrait because it captures, it's not a roadmap of appearance. It's really a kind of psychological investigation or representation of Michelle Obama and kind of her public and private personas. And of course, again, you can bring a lot to it. But as in all of Cheryl's paintings, the face tends to be unexpressive, but the clothing is so expressive and the color of the background. And there is this kind of tension between what's so visible and what you really have to stop and look at very carefully, which is the face and presumably the psychological terrain that lies behind the face. Yeah, and I'll say for for people who have only seen, especially Cheryl's painting on the internet, in person, it's so 
there's something about they're just so this vibrant. Blue. I mean, it's so. I mean, I, that was the first painting to be unveiled, and it like hit hit me in the gut because it was so just jaw dropping and, and spectacular. And it was the first Charles painting I'd ever seen in person too. So I imagine that effect probably is across all of her work. So I was totally blown away based off expecting something similar to what I you know looked at on a computer in in person. There's just this quality that you just want to stare at it and and keep staring at it and keep looking at it. Um, yeah, forever. when I was having the conversation with Amy, I go, what are you going to tell people when they ask you, why did you paint her gray? Because unlike Kehinde and Kehinde's career where you have, you know, kind of Kehinde kind of crossing into kind of pop culture, he's on Empire, he's done things, you know, he's done things where we know what a Kehinde, you know, Kehinde Wiley image looks like. You know, um, Amy's a newcomer, right? And um, as you, as Isaac just said, a lot of folks have not seen work by her right um and so and so i think that also kind of contributed to the conversation around um like her use of grayscale and her in her and how that relates to photography because i think that's also something that you know a lot of people might not understand how the you know kind of um photography as a technology that you know and how um portraits were Photographic portraits, in a lot of ways, were the were the first images of Black people that we got, right? Which, Good point. Which which also kind of leads into the the history, right? It was also really interesting there when Barack and uh, Michelle Obama both said, "Well, I've never had a you know a portrait done of me." I, you know? I love that, and I love that because that's not an insignificant fact, right? That is a that's a totally um, significant fact because it, it also I think reveals the history behind that right the history not only in art but also you know in, in kind of society where we t we painted a certain type of people right um, that and now we paint different type of people and not just you know with you know president and first lady but also the point of them fitting into you know the bodies of work meaning that now Michelle Obama you know is in a body of work that also includes you know um you know Amy has one this this painting called Welfare Queen you know um and Kehinde's work of you know you know boys you know on the street in Harlem is you know Barack Obama also now fits into that overture. And so that has stuck with me, this idea that they sit among other people. I almost don't want to, but I think we kind of need to at least think about the reception of these works in the context of the current president, mm -hmm. President Trump. To my mind, I was at this ceremony. You know, if you asked me what date it was when I looked around, I'd be like, oh, it was, you know, 2011 or something. You know, it didn't feel like it 2018. Did. I agree with you. Just in terms of even the mood, you know, it felt very different in, in the National Portrait Gallery's uh, atrium. So, yeah, I'm just kind of curious to get to get your thoughts. Obviously, these paintings will be studied and looked at by, you know, kids in 40 years when there's a president we can't even imagine. But at this moment, how do you think the current president kind of defined how their reaction i guess on both sides of the political spectrum uh the reaction to these to these works two things one in the room obama just the first few minutes he goes oh i miss you guys and then we all oh, <laughs> everyone in the cried, room right? was like there was like these looks or like you know that we all exchanged like well you miss us we you know we really really miss you and so that was one Thing. And I agree with you, Isaac, that the mood did not feel like what it feels like to be 
a person of difference, you know, or minority, or however you, you kind of want to say that, in this country at this very moment. But what was interesting, at least when I was like reading Twitter and I was looking, thinking about people's reaction, is that I don't think there will ever be another moment where art gets that type of platform in the way that he really talked about the benefits of art in society and how art is, you know, a gauge of, you know, the health and welfare um, and reflection of a society. Civilization. Um, and, yeah. And even that was kind of, I mean, you, I just can't imagine the current president having that type of conversation or wanting to have that type of discussion with the public. It's so interesting because just on Tuesday, I saw on Twitter, I don't know if you guys have seen this, Sean Hannity tweeted out a photo by that by a very conservative painter and it was of Trump kind of standing in a football arena holding the national flag and like crying a little bit. I actually think he tweeted it on Monday. It, it does sort of seem like art is is again is in this battleground space where obviously representation is always extremely political. But because of the, the, the portrait unveiling, I think even in, in conservatives' minds, there's this, you know, we want artists to paint people who we think look like us, who represent our mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to me because it, it, it sort of seems like battles over representation continue to be extremely focal to our politics. And art is, at least these portraits, and the Obama spoke about it very explicitly, is about representation. Um, and I think we're going to see that continuing. And self-representation. And self-representation, exactly. Because you, you actually, Eugenie, made the point yesterday as well that, you know, people were saying, oh, my God, it's amazing that, that the African-American artists were, were chosen to do this, which is true, but it actually kind of follows the trend. Right. The white presidents chose white artists, and the African-American president and the first lady chose African-American artists. It makes perfect sense. You want someone to represent you. Who looks like you. Um, and again, Michelle Obama's comment about inspiring millions of girls who are going to see her portrait is exactly that. Seeing yourself on the walls of the White House, museums, you know, whatever, that opens up a lot of doors for, for people. There's also, if I'm not mistaken, the Clinton's White House portraits were painted. Simi Knox mm-hmm. by an African-American artist. Yeah, and which is interesting because in that moment you had this moment of breaking tradition in that way too. And so so that was also, you know, kind of in a lot of ways we want this moment to mean a lot of different things, but there's a history, you know, there has been another African American artist to paint a president and a first lady, which is kind of interesting in this moment because we're in such, as Isaac was saying, we're in such kind of polarized moment that we forget that you know, there was a time when, you know, this didn't have to be such a remarkable gesture to African-American artists paint the first African-American president and first lady. But I can imagine them not picking an American. <laughs> yeah, um, like if they picked John Kerr, I'd be like, oh, this is a little bit of a... No, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I, one of the things I've always admired about the Obamas is, mm-hmm. is the people they surrounded themselves with, yeah, including fair. Thelma Golden, who, you know, was acknowledged for her role in, mm-hmm. in these portraits. But they really, you know, they sought out the experts right. and listened to them. And so I... Th- and again, they're keen awareness of symbolism, I think, would not have allowed them to choose anyone other than African-American artists. It also reflects the ways in which when you think about representation within the art world and what like in, in artists, you don't have a lot of artists 
going out of their way to paint people who don't look like them to begin with, right? And so I'm thinking even just kind of briefly doing a thought experiment, I'm like, who would, outside of these two artists or say, because uh, it's even hard to find other black artists who paint in this type of way, right? And so it's interesting. So I, I, I really didn't even know who would That's be... That's a good exercise. Yeah, it's a good exercise. <laughs> I know, I'm kind of I'm like, like <laughs> who would be those... Artists, because if you think about, so Carrie James Marshall was somebody that was said early, but Carrie would have to alter his depictions of, you know, black life and black fig, the black figure to actually paint, or I guess maybe he wouldn't given, you know, what, what we have, but I don't, I I think that might be even more, you know, a little, you know, kind of out there for, um, even what we what, what we do have, um, but I, there's this idea of like kind of traditional portrait painting, just came back in vogue, you know, not too many years ago. And so to find artists who are working at this scale, who are who are involved in kind of the art world in some way, it would be kind of hard to to choose artists um, that were black, nonetheless, who were white or other any other kind of. Um, racial or ethnic um, background. I, I also want to ask you guys, because I, I think along the sort of the spectrum of reactions, there were some people who were sort of saying, you know, I think these portraits are great, but I don't think we should allow them to, especially in this Trump era, allow us to cloud our judgment of an honest evaluation of the Obama presidency, for example, for its faults uh, and its achievements. How do you think real, in quotes, politics and the the Obama's tenure in the office should be a part of this conversation around these works. Should we kind of bracket that and talk about these paintings as paintings, or should that be a part of this conversation as well? In terms of values, I think the Obama presidency is going to come off extremely well. But in terms of actual policy, you know, I, I, I'm not quite certain, although I think time, you know, it, uh, our views always shift given the present. And so, but values-wise, yes, someone who, again, is so intelligent, you know, he and Michelle out in the world representing the United States. It was always, I always felt so proud when I saw them on television or in the paper or on social media or whatever. It's like, yes, this is what America looks like, these. But yes, there are definitely political issues that one could take. I always, th- I, I always think about, like, like, when we talk about so I'm so I'm thinking kind of foreign policy stuff, and then I'm thinking about domestic, you know. So I'm thinking about you know like the healthcare you know law and what that did, but I'm also thinking about Syria, and I'm also thinking about him not closing Guantanamo Bay, Bay, and I'm also thinking you know, but then I'm also thinking about you know kind of initiatives around you know black boys and men, and then I'm also th- you know. So I'm I'm hoping that in the sweep of history, Eugenie is absolutely right. Given our current kind of situation and our present situation, we're like he was a great you know president. But then we're also reevaluating George Bush. You know, people are saying That's he wasn't right. so bad, you know, and <laughs> he was horrific, you know, like to just be absolutely blunt about that. And so I hope that there is a at least a fair evaluation yeah. of a presidency, his presidency, of, you know, even Trump's presidency, you know, when, it, when it's kind of all said and done, um, that really takes into consideration the policy, the man, and where we are, you know, as a country. We'll be back in just a minute with White Wine, but first, a message from our sponsor. Uh 
Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that has allowed artists, designers, and photographers of all kinds to create websites showcasing their work. We spoke with one of them, artist Maud White. I am a paper-cutting artist and storyteller, and I live in Hudson, New York, in the Hudson Valley. We asked Maud to tell us about her process, including how long it takes her to create one of her incredibly intricate paper-cut works. Oh gosh, some pieces take weeks. For one thing, the beginning vision I have is never what it ends out to be in the end because it's cut paper, there's no erasing, and so it's always this really exciting, magical reveal at the end. I like working from old black and white photos because what I do is so positive and negative and that just makes it so much clearer. So I sketch it out, a rough guide, and then I have my knife and I use rubber thimbles on my fingers so my fingers don't go numb because I do cut a lot. You can see the results yourself on Maud's website, bravebirdpaperart.com, which she designed using Squarespace. I really love Squarespace. The templates are so beautiful and especially the one I'm using. It's really clear cut. It fits with what I'm doing so well since I work in black and white. I've had really fun, great conversations with the support staff there who've been like, oh man, I'm looking at your website. This is so awesome, like while helping me. So it's just a really welcoming, helpful place. I'll say that. Make your work stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Use the offer code artsy to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's offer code artsy, A-R-T-S-Y. And now, back to our show. All right, I'll start this week's White Wine. Uh, I will be checking out the Dan Vo exhibition at the Guggenheim. I haven't been there in a while. I'm excited to check to check that one out. What about you, Antoine? I know you, you just got back from uh, Marrakesh. Yeah, so I'm excited about seeing Nadina Lawson um, exhibition at Sinkama Jenkins Gallery um, opening March 1. That should be really exciting. And then I just saw a really great show um, in Marrakesh at Macau Museum. They just opened. It's called Africa is No Island. And it's a survey of 42 photographer, African photographers from across the con- continent um, who kind of touch on everything from representation um, to religion to family um, and the environment. Um, and it was really kind of a great um, look at um, the continent, the history of photography, um, and contemporary concerns of African artists. And Eugenie? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to the Brooklyn Museum. <laughs> you should go see the exhibition One Basquiat, which features one Basquiat painting, a work from 1982, painted when he was 21. It's a very large, disembodied head floating on a blue ground. And then, of course, you should check out David Bowie, which is opening at the end of this week, March 1st, I think. Um, it's all been very hush-hush, but I, I hear great things about it. So I'm I really looking forward want, to it. My dad saw that when I was in Chicago, and he I like, saw it in talk, Chicago too. He talks about added it for like hundred works, I guess. I was like, someone curated an exhibition just for my dad, and then and then I, you know, it's I'm so excited to to go check it out. And Iman is on the cover of Vogue Arabia mm. to, uh, this this month on their one year anniversary. It's a totally stunning uh, photograph because it features her and a younger model, I guess, named Iman as well. Who's it's it's such a beautiful photograph. Great. Well, there's a lot of great art to see out there. Thank you both so much for, for coming in to talking with, uh, with me today. This was Such a great a conversation. Pleasure. Thank you. 
Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. You can shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at artsy.net. See you next time. Our producer this week, as always, associate editor Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for free. Additional music is by Jazar.